A little over a year ago on Vision Sunday 2016, I talked about the challenge that we were facing as we continue to embrace new people, that challenge being making space. And at that time, work was just starting, reconfiguring some of our offices in order to create some better space for children and uh, two large rooms downstairs where the business and admin office had been were created. And uh, those rooms have relieved a little bit of short-term pressure. And at the same time, we were continuing working with architects on ideas for expanding this auditorium and building more children's space. And I said then that anything we do with those things is still some way in the future, but as and when things become clearer, I would talk more about that. And today, the future has arrived. As I mentioned three weeks ago in this year's Vision Sunday talk, our focus for the year ahead is making room for more. And one of the applications of that is making room for more adults, more youth, and more children by expanding our physical space. Today and the next two Sundays, we'll be talking about this next phase as we prepare for our gift day on the 2nd of April. Now, before I talk about the what of making room for more, Let's briefly have a look at the why. Why do we feel we need to make room for more? Because evidently more people want to experience what we get to experience as being part of this family. I don't know what being a part of this family means to you, but just imagine for a moment if Trent Vineyard had never existed. What would you have missed out on? If you have children, what would they not have had the experience, the opportunity to experience. What do you love about being part of this church? Three weeks ago on Vision Sunday, we had a glimpse of some of the things that we as a family are and do, and of course, that's only a fraction of what the church means to many of us. If you missed that, incidentally, I would encourage you to watch it online. There's a dedicated page on the website, and including, uh, there's my talk, and then there's also the film pieces in their own right added to that. The Lord wants many more people to be able to experience what we experience, to be welcomed and included in all that he's doing here, and he keeps bringing more people. Now, that's sort of inconvenient, because at the moment, we have just about enough space to fit our adults, our youth, and our children. And so if God would just stop prompting people to join us, we wouldn't have to face this challenge. Thinking really selfishly for a moment, we could look at it this way. The reality is that we got in in time. You know, we have our seat. If we have children, they're in Trent Kids, our teenagers are part of Trent Youth, we're in. Couldn't we just accept that we only have so much room and settle there, stop inviting anybody else to come? I was really struck by a conversation I had last month with a church leader from Columbus, Ohio, Kimberly Montgomery, who with her husband Charles leads one of the Columbus Vineyards campuses, a congregation of a few hundred people. And Kimberly told me that fairly recently they had to turn three families away one morning, one of whom she said had never been to church because there was no room in the children's groups. There just wasn't enough physical space to take another child. Ouch. Can you imagine inviting a friend or a colleague to Trent? Someone who doesn't yet know the Lord. 
And after weeks of praying that they would accept your invitation, they turn up one morning with their family. They're late because they're not used to getting their children ready to go out on a Sunday morning. They didn't know the way here, and then they drove past the warehouse twice looking for a more traditional church building. And when they eventually walk in and take their children to their groups, they're told, we're sorry, but we're full. We don't have room for any more. Please come back another time. An experience like that could put them off forever with eternal consequences. Charles and Kimberly Montgomery responded to that problem by taking action, and because of their limited venue size, they decided they had no option but to do two morning services. For the last two or three years, we've been prayerfully working on what action we as a church are being asked by God to take in order to, re- to make room for more. And we've sought the counsel of others who have faced similar situations and thoroughly explored the different potential options for us as a church. And uh, as you know, we have two services on a Sunday, which enables us to accommodate twice as many people as we could fit in if we just had one. And so as we explored making more space, we gave considerable thought to the question, do we do two morning services? There are benefits, there are also costs, there are pros and cons. Pros include the creation of more space with low financial cost. Cons include that doing another service would take a lot of manpower, which might otherwise be spent doing other kinds of ministry, but more importantly, that it inevitably changes the feel One of the things which we found so precious at Trent and which quite a number of visitors recently from other churches have recently commented on has been this wonderful sense of community and family that we have here. People can arrive early and connect with others before the service. They can stay around afterwards for more social time. Our pastors can be present, fully present and engaged at both services. We have time for ministry, which can freely go on as long as people want to stay and pray for each other. And doing two morning services would squeeze that, squeeze the time as people would need to leave in order to let the next service people arrive. So whatever route we take, basically there are costs and there are benefits. We talked to many church leaders around the country and further afield, and the general advice has been, do more services if you have no other option. But if it is possible to expand your physical space, go for it. So if it wasn't possible, I would probably be talking to you right now about our plans to do a second morning service, as we would hate to find ourselves having to turn people away. If you've been part of Trent Long, you will know that we always seek to make large decisions using more than rational thinking. We don't just sit, uh, you know, kind of list the pros and the cons and come up with a plan. We're always asking the Lord to lead us, and he's always done so. Every step along the way over these 20 years, from buying the original plot of land and building the warehouse, to buying more land and extending to creating the youth center, to moving the arches on site. The Lord has always been very, very gracious in speaking in unmistakable ways. And our journey as a church has really been one of saying yes when he makes the way forward clear. Almost two years ago, someone in the church who has over the years given us profoundly accurate prophetic words, which have been very helpful in previous chapters of our journey, and who didn't know anything about the thing we were wrestling, this question, uh, he sent us a simple typed word, saying that the derelict building on the back car park, which has for years been known as the Ark, 
should be replaced with a new building and this pretty clear eight-word statement. Do not have two services in the morning. Now, though this resonated with what we were feeling and what we felt the Lord was saying to us, we don't act on one prophetic word, and so we filed it away, and we prayed that the Lord would confirm it. And we continued to work on potential plans. Various building permutations were considered as we uh, continued to prayerfully explore, do we do the two-morning service option or do we build? Those of you who were at the National Leaders Conference a few weeks ago or who watched it online may know who I mean by Julian Adams. He is internationally recognized as having an extraordinary level of prophetic gifting. And just a couple of months after the first word I just mentioned, this is a year and three quarters ago, we met Julian for the first time at a conference in Northern Ireland. And he didn't know anything about us except that he had just been told that we were soon to be taking on the leadership of the Vineyard Movement alongside our leading Trent. And he, said, he found us and said, I've got a word for you. So we found a little room and we got our phone out and recorded it and then had it transcribed. And uh, the way Julian Adams receives stuff from the Lord is like he, he starts with the first sentence and it just rolls and rolls and rolls. So he, he didn't come into this prepared. He didn't know where he was going as he began. But I'm, this is word for word. I've not changed a single word. What I've done is take excerpts out from the total that he said. Here's someone who doesn't know anything about what we're thinking about or our situation. I see the Lord speaking to you about land and buildings, land and buildings. It's been a season where you've been housed in a particular, I don't even know if you guys have your own building, but I see a building, I see it's done well, there's been incredible favor on those projects, I see incredible resource even poured into that project, but God's about to bring some extension I see you taking out architectural plans and beginning to redraw and redefine and redesign because God's about to really increase your capacity to have more people come through your buildings. Like, wow. So just wanting to be absolutely sure, I said, you think prophetically our building needs to expand? And he said, yes. And I was going to say that I don't think you should go to two services. Like, wow. And uh, so Debbie and I just briefly shared with him the question that we've been wrestling with, doing two morning services, expanding our space, and Julian said this, I would say to you, and I say it with a clear conscience before God, that I was going to say it to you. I think that God wants to maybe hold you guys for this season, and there is extension coming. I, see, I can see building plans and stuff being knocked right out. Now, we believe that God speaks. And as you can imagine, took this word very seriously, confirming this sense that we had that we should expand our space. Since that time, a lot has progressed. Nigel Briggs, one of our associate pastors, has been working with the Trent Kids staff and a great team of professionals, many of whom were involved in our previous building projects over the years. They include an architect, a quantity surveyor, and a project manager. And we're also benefiting from free advice from a church member, Chuck White, who built and extended this building. And I'm delighted that the day has now arrived to show you the plans. Over three Sundays, today and the next two, we'll be leading up to this gift day on the 2nd of April, and I'd love you to make a priority of being here every one of those Sundays if you possibly can. And if you miss any, to catch up online so that we all go on this journey together. Over the last 20 years, the Lord has led us on a pretty amazing journey. Some of you are joining us recently. 
and you've walked into this great place and it's kind of always been there, perhaps in your imagination, but the Lord truly has led us on an amazing journey. And the media team have created this piece of film which captures some of the key moments on that building journey and explains the next exciting phase. From the moment Trent Vineyard began in 1996, we've been on a journey of faith, doing all we can to respond to the Lord's leading as he's continued to bring more and more people to join us. Our first meetings were at the Swans Hotel with about 40 people, but before long, we found ourselves in need of more space and so we moved to the banqueting suites at Notts County Football Ground, where we met for the next seven years. The Lord continued to bring more people and for most of those years we looked for any building we could lease or buy and adapt. With nothing suitable available, God made it clear that he wanted us to buy land and build what became known as the warehouse. During our search for the plot of land on which we would build, the opportunity arose in 2001 to rent space under Abbey Bridge to facilitate some of our areas of ministry to those in need in the city. Church members transformed those derelict arches into our largest compassion ministry, the Arches, providing food, clothing, and furniture to those in need. Despite the delay in finding a home for the church, we were delighted to have secured a building for those in need. We had the opportunity to acquire our initial plot of land on Easter Park. The church gave with extraordinary generosity and the warehouse was built in 2003. It was amazing to see a building designed and purpose-built to house us as a church with so much space to expand into. We were blessed to now have a wonderful facility with office space, multi-purpose rooms and an auditorium. And the new space facilitated a rapid expansion of the variety and impact of ministries we were able to do. By 2006, Sunday services were feeling very full we regularly had no spare meeting rooms during the week and we felt it was time to expand again by extending the warehouse over our car park. The Lord opened the door to buying the land next door in two stages, beginning with the back plot. The church again gave extravagantly and we purchased the back plot, enabling expanded car parking and the extending of the warehouse. This was started during 2008 giving us significantly more space in the auditorium with further multi-purpose rooms and office space. Some rooms were finished off over the following years as the money came in. It was wonderful to watch the extension being built and seamlessly joined as the church continued to function amidst a building site. Over the years, the warehouse on the back plot has been used to store Arches furniture as a base for the facilities team and for storage. In 2010, a further gift day enabled the completion of the purchase of the front plot and the surfacing of the back car park. It also enabled the transformation of one of the buildings on the front plot into the Trent Youth Centre, a great facility for the use of our youth and others in our city, with multi-purpose meeting rooms, a dance studio, a sports hall, climbing wall and auditorium. The arches continued to grow in the variety and quantity of what it was able to do. And it became clear that the physical limitations of the Arches space on Broadholm Street was restricting ministry. In 2011, members of the church gave again and we developed the second building on the front plot into a new and massively larger space for the Arches with its great reception area, a variety of multi-purpose rooms and offices for staff and volunteers. The furniture was rehoused in the rear of the unit with excellent access for our vans. 
Offices and rooms were also created for Trent Debt Advice. We also believed the church would benefit from a cafe, so we used the last undeveloped room in the extension, creating a fabulous environment for our own use and open to everyone. Since then, the Lord has continued to bring more people to be part of the church with the newly built tram network, enabling greater access by public transport. In the last couple of years, to make more space, we have reconfigured some rooms, including moving offices, which enabled two new children's rooms on the ground floor. Most Sunday mornings, the five to 11-year-olds in Trent Kids spend part of the morning together in Big, which gives the children opportunity to play games, make noise, and most importantly, meet with God through worship, prayer, and teaching. Big outgrew the space in the warehouse and had to be moved into the Youth Centre Auditorium. This meant on Sunday mornings the youth had to be moved into a smaller space. None of the rooms in the Youth Centre were large enough, so two rooms were joined together. The youth have continued to grow in number and are now squeezed, making it difficult to include more youngsters in that age group. Meanwhile, the growth in the number of children in Trent Kids has meant groups are restricted for space and there is a need for more rooms to accommodate the growing numbers. At the same time, numbers of people in the morning service continue to grow and on peak Sundays we are all but full. So we are at a moment in our history when again we face the challenge of space for our adults, our youth and our children. The opportunity which the Lord has made clear to us as our next step is to repurpose the last undeveloped building on our site and to create a beautiful children's centre which will accommodate the older children's age groups. This will give them their own auditorium, releasing the youth auditorium back to the youth on Sundays. It will also free up the rooms on the end of the adult auditorium, enabling a substantial increase in capacity for adults as we reconfigure that space. The connect area and refreshment servery will relocate into this new space, enabling chairs to be laid out to the back of the auditorium and a new Sunday entrance will be created, giving pedestrians easier access directly from Lenton Lane. The under fives will be able to expand into new rooms in the main warehouse and the children's centre will be purpose-built for the five to elevens. In order to create the needed rooms, the building will be expanded with an extension along its length providing a reception area, auditorium, and flexible large rooms with movable dividing walls. The building will be clad in a colorful way with its own clear identity as the children's center. On the far side, an extension will house a fully racked storage area with the option for additional storage units as and when they are needed. The remaining areas of rough land will be tarmacked and marked out which will enable us to park more cars and create a great outdoor event space between the buildings. And with the removal of some existing gates and fences within the site, this will help traffic flow and the use of a second exit. As we grow into the use of film production, we want to develop the space above the youth breakout rooms into a film studio. To enable the children to use the sports hall on Sundays, we plan to build a wall between the sports hall and the youth auditorium. As we do with our regular income, 22% of the money given to this project will be set apart for things which don't directly benefit our church. And we will be investing part of this in some exciting projects, working with children in Nottingham as well as in India and other countries. 
Buildings are simply facilities. Facilities which facilitate all we do as a church. This next phase, as every previous phase of our journey, is about people. It's about making room for more. More adults, more youth, more children, more people of every age who will encounter Jesus. More people who will share what they experience here with others. More people ministering in the love of Jesus to a broken world. More people being a blessing to this city and beyond. As we make changes in this building, we're planning to reuse as much as possible, so we anticipate much of the kitchen equipment through there will end up in the kids' centre. Uh, the partition wall in that room there will find its way over there. And some of our audio-visual equipment will be relocated, shuffled around between the Youth Centre, Children's Kids' Centre and here. Um, so we'll replace some in here to enable better sound and visual clarity as we expand the auditorium 40 foot that way to the street wall. The planning application went in near the end of last year because, as you may know, without planning consent you can't build anything. And uh, I'm delighted to announce that four days ago we received this. You can't read it from where you are, I know, but this is planning consent. So all that stands between us and this whole thing becoming a reality is the money needed to make it happen. A great deal of detailed costing work has been done by the professional team, and the estimated cost for everything that we want to do is $1.87 million. Now, we'll be setting 22% apart to be given away or spent on activities and things which benefit those outside our church. So that has to be 28.7% has to be added on, so you can take 22% off and end up with the same figure. That's a further over half a million pounds that we'll be setting apart, giving us the total amount which we'll be aiming for of 2.4 million pounds. Now on one level that may seem like a lot of money. The truth is, it is a huge amount of money, but it is significantly lower than all of the options that we were looking at before landing on this decision to repurpose the ark. And it's very much in line with our philosophy of ministry of doing things well, while doing them in the most cost-effective way. And just to put it into perspective, over the last 17 years, the members of this church have given over eight and a half million pounds to building projects, of which two million was set apart to be given away or spent on things which benefit those outside our church. So while this is a huge challenge, we believe it is, with God's help, going to be possible as we give to make this vision a reality. I'm going to invite Susie and Becker, our youth and kids pastors, to talk about this development and how it's going to enable more young people to join us. Would you please welcome Susie and Becca? Well, good evening. Hello. Hello. Uh, what an exciting time to be part of this church, especially uh, for us involved in kids and youth. And um, we've been working together for a number of months now with some other staff on these plans. And it'd be fair to say we're excited, passionate and expectant about all the Lord is going to do. 
Um, you guys might not realize that here on a busy Sunday morning, we've got around 400 naught to 18 year olds on the site at one time, and about 300 of those are naught to 11s. And on our busiest Sunday ever, we had 350 naught to 11 year olds in this building. It's a lot. Um, the Trent Kids team are amazing. They're literally amazing. But as you saw in the film piece, there's a huge impact on the space that we have. I'd like you for a minute just to imagine yourself stood in the middle of G1 with about 60 three-year-olds running around your ankles and um, plus about 10 team. It's a little bit cosy, I have to say. Um, there are definitely weeks when it feels like we're squeezed in throughout Trent Kids. And this obviously impacts the activities that we can do with them. However, what an amazing problem to have. We absolutely love it. We love that there are new families coming all the time and that the feedback from the kids is that they want to come and bring their friends. So having big in the youth center means that we've kicked the youth out of their space. It's not ideal. <laughs> Um, practically, though, that means um, actually walking around 100 kids from this building to the youth centre and then back again, which takes about 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, which could be, that time could be spent worshipping and engaging with God. Yeah, so for, uh, for the team, we've been really gracious about allowing the kids into the youth centre, obviously. But, um, but for the young people, actually, it's been quite a big deal. Uh, being displaced or, you know, booted out of the youth centre. And uh, the side room where we meet um, is often very cramped. And the young people have um, such ownership of the youth centre. Some of them are here tonight. They treat it like it's their home. And some of them are cheeky enough to even help themselves to the contents of the fridge. And, um, but despite our constant positivity about Sunday mornings and how they're working, the young people always ask, why is it on a Sunday morning that we can't be in the youth centre? And uh, for most of them, their favourite Sunday in the month is actually the one where the kids aren't in there and they get full use of the youth centre. So we're really excited about the vision for the kids' centre. Are you guys excited? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just a few. We are, we are, we are. For the children, though, to know that their church family value them enough to build them their own auditorium, their own rooms, it'd just be incredible. There's no limit to what God can do through the use of a new building. The big auditorium will be perfect for the huge scale activities, and the smaller rooms around the sides will just be brilliant for the expanding um, small groups that we have and for the space for um, there's going to be a designated space for special needs children. And it just gives us the opportunity to move some of our midweek ministries like Toddler Haven and microgroups and the youth small groups into a better space, as well as exploring opening doors to external agencies and charities. And the multipurpose rooms will be available to be used by church midweek too for all sorts of activities. Great, and more space, what it really means is more space, more opportunity for lives to be transformed. And that's the bit that actually we're the most excited about. You know, I've been involved here in kids and youth ministry now for at least 10 years and sort of reflecting back on that, looking over that time. The most incredible thing to see now for me is a whole bunch of young adults who are totally thriving in their life. They're, they've got an amazing relationship with Jesus and then being part of the kids and the youth ministry here has played a significant part in their journey. You know, some of those guys, they were thriving, um, they had a relationship with Jesus all the way through. 
Some of them maybe came to youth for a time and dropped off. Some of them gone and done their own thing. But we've seen so many of them come back to Jesus as young adults. And our prayer is that all of them would because of the seeds that have been sown into them here as children and young people. You know, nothing in the kingdom is wasted. We've seen Jesus heal teenagers. We've seen them moving in the power of the Spirit. We've seen them come to us, some of them broken and vulnerable. And Jesus has met them and healed them and set them free. And um, I don't think it'd be big news to any of you here tonight, but it's actually really challenging to be a young person in this culture. And I believe it's getting harder and harder. Some of our young people are struggling with their identity, with mental health issues, with self-harming, with family breakdown, with self-esteem, with, with educational pressure and the constant need to be connected on social media. And I so honestly believe that the only hope that a young person has is that they meet Jesus as soon as possible because he is the only one who can change their life. So that's what we're about, seeing young people's lives changed by Jesus. And there is no better testimony than a story of an adult who's never known a day without Jesus. That's our prayer for every kid and youth that comes our way. Yeah, just imagine for a moment what our church and our society would look like if every child and every young person knew Jesus. I want you to picture for a moment a massive cliff. At the top of the cliff, you're there with a whole bunch of people. They're all sat about, they're chatting, they're having a picnic, and they're watching people walk to the edge of the cliff. And some of those people are falling off. Now, at the bottom of the cliff are tons of people with their arms wide open, ready to catch them. These people represent so many different recovery ministries like AA and healing, power to change, freedom in Christ. And all of these ministries are absolutely amazing. They're growing and they're doing a fantastic job. But wouldn't it be better if the people at the top of the cliff, they got up, they joined hands and together they stopped those people from falling. And that's a little bit of a picture of what the kids and the youth ministries can look like. As a team, we need to be stood at the top of the cliff with our arms wide open, loving those children, investing in them, and stopping them from falling. And we're doing our best. But we would love to expand our ministries to reach more children, more young people, so less of them end up at the bottom of the cliff. And we believe that investing in the kids' work here will enable us to do this. So let's invest in our kids and our young people. For those who love stats, and I know that there's a few of you out there, these are really good stats, by the way. They're not ones that we've made up. Yeah, on, yeah they're, they're actually really good stats. <laughs> so these are three. A person's response to the meaning and personal value of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is usually determined before a person reaches the age of 18. And what you believe by the time you're 13, you will most likely die believing. And four out of five church leaders have consistently been in children's ministry prior to the age of 13. There are so many stories of what Jesus is doing in the lives of the children. One that I heard recently was at a time when one of our microgroups went out onto the streets of Beeston to do a Blessing the Community project. There was a guy, as he got off the tram, the kids went over to pray for him. 
And when they asked him what he would like prayer for, it wasn't healing. It was just that he would have the confidence to go back to church because he just felt that there were too many barriers in the way. At the last baptism service here at Trent, that guy got baptized. And this is what our kids can do if we just give them the opportunity. Amazing. Yes, it's worth a clap. Amazing, amazing stories. And there's, there's so many more stories as well. We could go on forever, but we're not, we're not going to. But, you know, we sang the song tonight, Jesus would be enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. That is our prayer, that Jesus would be uh, lifted high generation after generation after generation. And to do that, we've got to make room for more children and young people to meet Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Susie and Becca. Can I ask you to personally think back 14 years in your life to 2003 and consider, were you a part of this church before this warehouse ever existed? When we were meeting at Notts County Football Stadium, banqueting suites, if you were part of us then, could I ask you to please stand? Wow, that's a tiny percentage of you. Now, the truth is, of course, a number of people aren't here. They either came in the morning service or they have moved with jobs or gone off on church plants. But you can see a real tiny minority. Thank you. Please stay standing. (laughs) Many of these people gave sacrificially so that this warehouse could be built. I could ask you to remain standing. And for those who were part of this church, before we extended it, nine years ago, so in 2008, before we extended it, so when the end of the building was in the middle of that screen just there, the rest of you there were in the car park, can I ask you to join them in standing? Okay, still under half, significantly under half. Many of these people gave to make room for more. They and others gave millions of pounds to make room for those yet to come and you came. Thank you all, please have a seat. Since then, many more have given to develop the arches and the youth center. Just as many of those people gave sacrificially so that you could enjoy these facilities, so that there was room for you, it is now us who are part of Trent today who are invited to give to make room for those yet to come. The hundreds and over the years, thousands of men and women youth and children who will be part of the church, many of whom will come to faith in Jesus, be discipled, be equipped, and bless and serve and contribute to changing this city and beyond. If we are to raise the money needed for this next phase, it is going to take huge financial sacrifice from many, many people. For some of you, a figure as large as 2.4 million just is so huge, it feels like anything you could give would not even make a tiny dent, so why even bother? You could be discouraged from joining in, thinking you should leave it to those with much greater financial resources. But this is something God is inviting every single individual in this church to participate in. So let me paint you a picture of what a small gift could achieve. Perhaps you are a lone parent on a low income, or you are on benefits, or perhaps you're a student and you're thinking, my gift could not achieve anything. Well, just suppose you are a student and you're thinking that, 
What about if you decided for the next two and a half years that you would go without one drink a week? You'd buy one less drink per week for that time. One less pint of beer or one less coffee or whatever it is that you like to drink. That would be a sacrifice, sure, but probably one that you would manage to make. Let's say that drink costs three pounds, so you pledge to give that 12 pounds a month for the next two and a half years. That adds up to 360 pounds. Now imagine your 360 pounds is the 360 pounds spent on the tables the 5 to 11s will use in the kids' center. Perhaps it will buy a stack of five quality GoPack tables. Five tables, each of which could have six children sat at them doing craft or painting or baking or having their snacks together or doing their Bible studies, writing down prayers together. If you didn't give the 360 pounds which paid for those tables, each Sunday, 30 children would have to sit on the floor surrounded by paint and flour and whatever else to do those activities. That 30 a week, 1,500 a year. Over the next decade, just on Sundays, that could mean that your tables would enable 15,000 occasions of children using them for activities, not to mention all the other times they would be used. Every gift counts. And as you give from the little you have, I believe it releases the Lord to prompt others to give what you would like to give if only you had it to give. You may think, if I was wealthy, if I had significant sums, I would give a ton. But you have no money or very little. You be faithful to what the Lord asks of you and trust that the Lord will tap some other people on the shoulder who do have significant wealth and can make a larger gift. As before, we're approaching this from the perspective of equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. Some have far greater resources and can make a pledge for a multiple of that. There are those who on previous gift days have made pledges of between 50 and 100 times that amount each month. Let's each give according to our means and in response to the way the Lord is prompting us to give. As with previous building phases, Debbie and I feel it's appropriate to let you know how we're approaching this gift day personally and without disclosing figures, just to give you a feel for the sort of commitment, the sort of sacrifice that we're going to be making. Debbie and I are gonna both make an upfront gift and a building pledge. So we've prayed about it, we've discussed it together, and we will be making an upfront gift, which would be a multiple of what Debbie and I would normally spend on a summer holiday abroad. We'll also be setting up a monthly standing order, which will run for the next four years, which over that time will total many times the amount that we're giving upfront. The monthly amount we're pledging to this expansion will be around 7% of our current net income by which I mean the money that we have coming into our bank account each month. Um, our regular giving to Trent is nearly 14% of our net income, so if we add together those two standing orders, one to the regular income of the church, one to the building, then the total amount we'll be giving each month to Trent for the next four years will be a little over 20% of our joint net income. Now, we just tell you that by way of example, but we really want to encourage you to think prayerfully about this and ask the Lord how much he wants you to give. 
If you're married, set aside some time in the next couple of weeks to discuss it together. And I would encourage you not to land too quickly on a figure or a percentage which feels comfortable. But pray about it over the next couple of weeks until you're convinced that the amount you've decided is the amount the Lord is actually asking of you. It may be that you have some money available which he'd like you to give as an upfront gift. It may be that he'd have you consider pledging a monthly amount for uh, the next four years or maybe for a shorter time or a longer time. For some, the Lord might inspire you to pledge you know, a couple of percent of your income specifically to this. For others who have more resources, perhaps something higher. And remember, this is on top of your regular giving to the church, okay? There's not much point in having a great kids center and a bigger auditorium and not be able to actually run the church. So this is new money on top of anything regular. If enough people give a few percent of their income over the coming years, and we also get a substantial amount in upfront gifts, this target of 2.4 million really is possible. Before you leave today, pick up one of these. This is a brochure that we've created. It's got the plans and the drawings and so on in it. It also has the answers to a number of questions that you may have. It's got a gift commitment card in there. And it's also got a fasting section, which I will be talking about a little next Sunday. Take one of these. And then in three weeks' time, on the 2nd of April, please bring, tear, tear out the card. There's an envelope in there as well. Bring back your commitment and uh, we will take up this offering, and the youth and the children will also be taking up their offerings a few minutes ahead of us. Representatives of children and youth will then come in here, we'll gather everything up together, and we'll pray over every, everything together. If you're not gonna be here that day, 2nd of April, please bring it in before then, or post it in using the envelope in the brochure so that we can count it in with all the other gifts, and we will then be announcing the total on the following Sunday. Now, next Sunday and the one following, we'll be looking at what the Bible has to say about the journey that we're on uh, with a couple more short films. And again, I, I really would encourage you to be here. And if you miss any, then please do catch up online.